Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. I appreciate you being with us today. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty, for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Give me a call or visit bullrealty.com. Well, today we have a special show for you. You know, I think we're always trying to escape where the puck is going, right? We're always trying to figure out what's down the road. And it's a bit of a special time, I think, you know, with what's going on politically and with tariffs and kind of the division politically. Uh, we're at uh, the tail end, potentially, of a very nice uh, uh, cycle that we've all had. And everyone's a little concerned, hey, where are we? What's going to happen in the future? Well, we've been doing this show now for nine years, and I've had uh, several guests over those over those years, and some of the guests have been uh, really interesting and very special to me. Well, please welcome Hugh Kelly. He's a principal with Hugh Kelly Real Estate Economics, and he's joining us here in Studio One to help us look at 2020 or to infinity mm. and beyond, <laughs> as they say in Toy Store. True enough. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being with us, and uh, congratulations on the uh, Landauer White Award from the Counselors of Real Estate uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. That's uh, that's that's special. Congratulations. It is it is very special. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a special uh, award considering who is giving it. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, it's particularly uh, special because I knew uh, Jim Landauer, uh, who was the uh, executive chairman of Landauer Associates when I joined it in 1978 and uh, John White, who was then, then the chairman uh, immediately after Jim Landauer and remained that until 1993. And I stayed at Landauer until uh, 2001. So uh, these were important people at the beginning of my career uh, who pushed me in the direction uh, of, of studying economics and real estate and trying to find ways to make that knowledge useful. Yeah. Well, you've done a good job. And, uh, you know, uh, he was a PhD. He's a CRE counselor. And uh, his company, uh, Hugh Kelly Economics, is, uh, uh, helps people with make big decisions uh, related to real estate. And, you know, um, one thing that I just kind of opened with is, you know, the cycle. It's been a mm -hmm. great cycle. Uh, I know you're heavily involved uh, with the ULI PwC Emerging Trends Report. So you've, you've kind of got an inside look, if you will, at, at where we are and how long good times might last. And so if you look in your crystal ball, <laughs> where are we? How long is it going to last? Is there a recession coming down the road or a downturn? And when, when might it happen? You know, uh, forecasting is always hard, especially when it's about the future, said Yogi Berra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, and it's very foolish for any of us to think uh, that we become exempt from cycles. Uh, you know, cycles are one of the principal forms of change. Uh, and uh, it's always the economy and the market trying to find uh, an equilibrium point and never quite staying there once it, once it arrives. Uh, and so uh, we overcorrect on the upside, we overcorrect on the downside. Uh, uh, and while all of that is going on, and this is why I think emerging trends is such a valuable contribution, there are things that slice through the cycles that you know help shape the future. Uh, uh, so, you know, to, to answer your, your your question, 
I think we're in, in a period clearly of deceleration. Uh, the exact timing of, uh, of, of the end of the cycle is a fool's errand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, none of us can give a point estimate as to when that's, that's happening. But we can assess the strengths in the economy. We can assess the weakness of, of, uh, of the economy. And I'm particularly concerned about two things. One is that the de- deceleration that we're seeing has some characteristics of being very persistent, lasting not for a year or two, but for 10. And uh, the second is kind of complacency. And, and back to the deceleration in a, in a, for a moment, you mean in uh, GDP or what areas are you seeing it? Uh, you know, uh, certainly, uh, uh, there's been a long period of deceleration, uh, decade by decade by decade, in the growth rate of the economy, the GDP growth growth rate, uh, uh, you know, for for a variety of reasons. But uh, to see the Congressional Budget Office forecast uh, a decade of sub two percent GDP growth, I think is concerning. And then the second, this is demographically driven as much as anything else to see, again, a long-term forecast where the average employment growth on a monthly basis is going to drop from what has been in the last five years or so, about 220,000 jobs per month on average, to less than 70,000 jobs per month on average. And for that not to come back to 200,000, but to stay down there is concerning to me. Yeah. And is that because we have such a, a tight job market? Uh, we have people with the wrong skills, or is it really a, a sign of the economy? All of the above. Okay. All of the, the uh, uh, certainly, if you've got unemployment below 4%, and it used to be that 5% was considered full employment, mm-hmm. you know, the pool of people who are available is less. But the reason for that is, is more profound than just the unemployment rate. We're in a period now where more people leave the labor force because of retirement, you know, than there are Gen Zs coming into the labor force, the small demographic cohort. So you, you know, in terms of our natural increase, and we're, we're at the point now where even our birth rate is below replacement level. Uh, so like Japan, like Europe, we face a declining uh, population left on our own without immigration. So I think that keeps uh, the momentum of the economy slower. It's, it's an anchor on, on, on that. And then, yes, absolutely, there's, there's a wide, wide division in terms of the skills that are needed for the 21st century economy and those that uh, uh, are the skills of people who have lost their jobs in, uh, in the last 10, 10 years. I mean, think of, of, of Southern Ohio, think of West Virginia. Uh, uh, now, increasingly, think of the Farm Belt, uh, uh, where that's an, uh, an industry, and it's a third of the land in the United States, that is very important to us, but needs less and less in the way of labor to produce the product that's needed. So you seeing some deceleration, um, you're expecting the, the cycle to change. Um, 
when you look at commercial real estate, um, if we are, I guess, when we have a downturn, mm. um, is is real estate and commercial real estate a good place to be? I mean, we haven't had seemingly a lot of overbuilding like we've had in last. It doesn't seem like we have as much leverage uh, on some of these properties. Is, is is commercial real estate the place to be? There's an argument to be made for that. Yeah. Uh, uh, although, again, as I began to say, I think complacency can be an issue for us. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's true that in most property types, uh, uh, the supply side is not a major problem. That's certainly not true in retail. Yeah. Certainly not true in retail. I mean, we have uh, you know uh, uh, three times the amount of retail space as the UK does per capita. We have ten times as much as the European nations. You know, so so we have too many stores and. And that's why retail, as an investment class, is, is so in disfavor right now. Uh, and we're beginning to pump up multifamily building, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, particularly at the luxury end. You know, and so you're seeing some fragility in prices up there. But those are the exceptions rather than, than the rules. So yes, I think uh, that, that the supply-demand side of things, as of today, looks good. The risk that I see is that very few forecasts of future demand on which the pro formas of, uh, of investments are, are being made take into account that the rate of demand decelerates over, over time. And so uh, I think that that future income and the risk to future income from slower demand has not been factored into price. And so the words that we've heard for now five years that commercial real estate is priced to perfection, mm -hmm. it's not so perfect anymore. And uh, when the investment community, be, and this is not just in real estate, this is in, in, in stocks as well, uh, factors in a period of a uh, long period of slower demand, I think that there is an adjustment in price coming, a downward adjustment in price, and that uh, uh, you know is obviously risk for those who are holding those investments, uh, but it is an opportunity, a buying opportunity once that pricing adjusts, because it's not going to stop at equilibrium. Yeah. yeah. All right. So if uh, this is the top of the market and and where your property is located and you want to sell, give me a call, right? Well, <laughs> well, well that's, I mean, that, that is a, yeah. a, another thing. Real estate is such a, such a wide and complicated industry mm -hmm. that uh, any time uh, uh, that there's, there's a transaction opportunity, uh, that, is, uh, that is income for somebody. Yeah. Uh, and it's a way to secure capital gains for those who time their, their, their exit correctly. Uh, and uh, it's also a chance for those who are skilled in structuring transactions, right, to say, what are the particular needs of, of, of the owner? What's the particular needs of the tenant who's in the building? And how do I, as a service professional, create value? Yeah. That's, that's the difference between stocks and bonds and real estate. In stocks, you as an owner of the stock cannot create value. Right. 
but in real estate you can create value and that's that's an enormous difference and an enormous advantage yeah yeah absolutely the strength of the sponsor and the and the management's important and then the, the actual how the trade is set up and it's interesting i've been in the business for brokers for 35 years my business has grown more in downturns and mm -hmm. in periods of equilibrium when people are looking at a little closer at what a broker actually does we yeah. tend to grow uh, I don't want the market to go down, though. Believe me, I want the market to stay strong. Well, what does the things you've talked about so far mean for potential interest rates moving forward? You know, again, I, I hate to be those two-handed economists, right? <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I, I think the uh, moves of the Fed in the last six months to begin to have uh, a more accommodative monetary policy, not only in terms of the price of money, the interest rate, but in terms of the volume of money, in terms of releasing of, 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 of more reserves into the economy, has helped lengthen the cycle to some degree and cushion things. The bad news is that it uses up the Fed's dry powder for when a recession actually does hit. Yeah. Uh, and recessions attack at the points of economic excess. And we've used, both through the, the tax cut bill of, uh, of 2017, then the budget, the deficit budget that was spent in economic good times, and now in monetary policy, We've used up a lot of the tools that we have that are counter-cyclical tools. And so there's less of an ability to uh, have you know, the, the, uh, the safety net under the economy. So I don't mean the social safety net, yeah. but the, uh, the policy safety net in terms of managing fiscal and monetary policy. We've, we've frayed that net, and I worry about that as a risk. Yeah, and that's that uh, can be uh, tough to consider and think about. Um, but when it, and the impact there, though, from what you're saying, is that we should not expect interest rates really to increase in, in the near future. That that is uh, not uh, not in the cards. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. If near future, you mean the next six to twelve months? Yeah. I think uh, I think not. You know, what would prompt the the, the Fed to do that? A surging economy. Yeah. And if the prospect is for a decelerating economy, you're not going to see the Fed pump the brakes yeah. on the deceleration. Yeah. You know, so my, ex my expectation is that uh, uh, Chairman Powell and, and his colleagues pause things. The minutes of the last Fed meeting uh, said that there, were, uh, there was a significant minority opinion to even a, forestall the last interest rate decline. Uh, and I think that a, a wait and see posture, uh, particularly in an election year, the Fed does not like to make big changes yeah. during election years. Yeah. They want to be seen as independent if in fact, like human beings, they would feel you know, uh, uh, pressure, yeah. Uh, yeah. economic pressure, political pressure. You can't separate these things. They've, they would feel it, uh, feel it but they don't need, necessarily need to act on it. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's 
what maturity is all about. Yeah. It's that you don't act on every feeling that you have. <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't do that. Well, we're going to take a short break, and you know, when we get back, I want to ask you about some other things that could impact the economy and commercial real estate moving forward, including consumer confidence, uh, some of the mm -hmm. kind of the political uh, pushing and shoving going on uh, and, and things uh, like tariffs. And then we'll uh, look briefly at some of the uh, property types and sectors moving forward. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by commercialagentsuccess.com. Check it out. It is incredible training for commercial real estate agents. Well, today we're talking with Hugh Kelly. He's a principal with Hugh Kelly Real Estate Economics. He's a CRE, CRE counselor. And we're talking about the economy and real estate and what's happening moving forward. What should we expect moving forward? And, and Hugh, um, we have the holidays coming up, right? And people are already starting the shop. You know, and consumer spending is a big part right, of our economy. Uh, you mentioned the segment before, we're, we're maybe a little over-retailed on the sticks and bricks. What do you, where are we on consumer confidence and, and what do you expect there moving forward? Okay, consumer confidence is pretty high uh, and business con confidence is pretty high. It's come off its peak. Uh, peak was prob probably uh, uh, a year or 18 months ago, uh, but it's, it's pretty high. Uh, and you know, I think you, you look for the reasons why that is. Uh, I think there are three factors. That, that drive uh, particularly the, the consumer confidence. Mm -hmm. Business confidence we should talk about. Uh, but consumer confidence, uh, you know, jobs, jobs, jobs. Mm -hmm. Get a 3.6, 3.7% unemployment rate where people feel like their job is secure, yeah. uh, that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, that makes people feel like they can spend the money that they earn. Right. Uh, Second, you know, even though the stock market and the economy are not the same, it's a barometer that the general public looks at as the economy. It's not, but that's the way they look at it. And as long as we're seeing things like we've seen this week is new records, you know, uh, on the Dow, on the S&P 500, uh, you know, that makes people feel good. It gives them confidence. And um, you know the third the third thing is the general sense of of the news, right? And there, you know, if you look to see why it's come down a little bit, I think it's people saying, "Eh, there are things that are going on that cause me some worries." You mentioned tariffs and trade, as 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 one of them. The impeachment probably has 
uh, an effect just in saying, well, what's going on? It's uncertainty. I don't know how it's going to uh, turn out. So uh, how does that play out in 2020? Yeah. You know, uh, I think on the jobs front, if my forecast and the, the CBO's forecast, more importantly, uh, turns out turns out to be approximately correct, that we see this deceleration in, in jobs from 200,000 to 125,000 and then below, then I think that has some issues on, on, on the confidence front. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the always the issue with, uh, with stocks is, you know, it is not a tree that grows to the sky, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's where the business confidence comes in. Yeah. And if you look at the National Federation of Independent Businesses, Confidence index that has been weakening over the course of of, uh, of this year. Uh, if you take a look at uh, the conference boards, look at business uh, business confidence, and more importantly, if you if you uh, take a look at the uh, National Association of Purchasing Managers indexes, and you see what's happening in terms of how much investment people are putting in to their businesses. How, uh, if you take a look at uh, the impact of that on our productivity, uh, you begin to see that the cash that's being put into our future growth is getting smaller and smaller. And that, to me, is a great leading indicator. Yeah. If, if you see business fixed investment uh, in technology and in structures on the decline, which it is and has been, uh, that's a sign that the economy has, uh, 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 that, that business leaders have less confidence in the economy. Yeah. And I guess for consumer confidence, it helps too when the home values uh, are rising so much, uh, like they are in most parts mm -hmm. of the country. And, you know, the, the housing market is obviously a big part of, of our economy. Um, so, what do you expect moving forward there? You know, housing is such a complex issue. Uh, uh, you know, it, it almost as almost as a barbell story, right? Uh, uh, you know, you've got uh, in the hottest of, of, of markets, absolutely extraordinary prices, such that you know it's, it's prompted a lot of, of building on the luxury end uh, in the New Yorks and the San Francisco's, but not only there. You know, in the Dallases and and and, and in Atlanta, you see some of the product that's built built here at the million dollar and up level, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's extraordinary. But then, in terms of the broad middle of, 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 uh, uh, of the housing market, you've got dislocations. People who own homes, particularly homes that were built, say, during the McMansion era, mm -hmm. they're not finding much of a market for those homes mm -hmm. because the... Uh, the, the Gen X and then the Gen Z people not only can't afford them, you know, without without the owner taking uh, the owner taking a big loss on the sale, but they don't want them. Yeah, it's the wrong product. Right, and so we need to think about for that middle market building, and this is a challenge for the home builders, building the right sized product, yeah. right, with the right features for that large large market. Otherwise, I think the home ownership rate 
which has dropped down from 69% back into the 64% area, could go back down uh, even lower. That's good for the multifamily sector. Yeah. That's good for the multifamily sector. Yeah. But it's not necessarily good for building wealth in the country. Yeah. Because that home ownership has been a great source of wealth. And then down at the other end, hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans homeless, millions probably. And it's not just in the San Francisco's, the Seattle's, the Portland's, the New York's, you know, and, and, and the Washington's. I see it in the Austin's. I see it, I was in Nashville two weeks ago. Homeless all over the street, mm. all over. Nashville, yeah. you see it in Denver. You know, I, I don't know that much about it, Atlanta. I haven't seen it, but you would know better. Yeah. Uh, but it, this is uh, this is a uh, uh, a a disease in the country that, with our affluence, we have people without a bed to sleep in. Yeah, yeah. That, that it's a disaster. It is. And you mentioned um, business confidence uh, slowing down a little bit, and uh, you mentioned uh, tariffs. You know, are the trade wars and, and tariffs? Um, is that why maybe some businesses are, are a little more concerned about investing in their businesses? And, and what does that, what do those mean? What do trade wars and tariffs mean for commercial real estate? What, what sector might be impacted? Well, clearly industrial. Yeah. Clearly logistics. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and the port cities that depend uh, uh, upon them. And the, uh, the, the, the corporate supply chain that's been built from around the world. So in a way, tariffs are uh, almost a fortress America kind of strategy. Uh, uh, and they are a blunt instrument. They are not a scalpel on, uh, on, on our problems. They're certainly not laser surgery. And probably what we need is more laser surgery uh, in, in that. How has it affected, uh, uh, you know, the average American, the average, you know, so consumers? You know, should we see the persistence of, of tariffs into 2020 for an extended period of time? Rising prices on the on the imports are in effect, and so worries about inflation are another things that, that affect consumer confidence. Yeah. You certainly have industries that have been disrupted in terms of getting their uh, their materials uh, uh, into uh, 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 into the market. So we we measure largely final demand, final goods. But there are a whole series of intermediate goods, right, that become part of the final part. Think of a car, right? Uh, you know, car is assembled at, at the plant, but the windows, the transmission, the engine, you know. The seats—they're all built somewhere else, yeah. And come, and so the, all those intermediate goods get affected. Their prices uh, increase, and the and the reliability of the supply chain get, gets there. So it's 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 disruptive. I'd rather I'd rather see uh, us use a greater scalpel or laser surgery on what our trade uh, issues are, rather than this very blunt instrument of tariffs. And. This blunt interest instrument of tariffs is—is is it short-term pain for long-term gain, possibly? No, no, no. Uh, the 
you know, and, and I try to be as non-political as I can uh, because you get, you get thrown off in economic analysis mm -hmm. if you get too wrapped up in partisanship. Mm -hmm. But the assertion that trade wars are good and easy to win mm -hmm. is one of the stupidest things that I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. They are not good. They're a throwback to the 19th century to a different kind of economy, the mercantilist economy. And they are not easy to win. That's what we're finding out. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned political. So what does this, these impeachment hearings and uh, kind of this uh, tug of war uh, conflict that we have politically in this country today, and then, then the upcoming election um, of 2020, what does that mean for the economy and real estate moving forward, do you think? You know, I'm a, I'm a data guy. Mm -hmm. uh, it concerns me a lot. And we heard this uh, in the summaries at the end of the last uh, of, of the scheduled impeachment hearings. Uh, both sides, quote, summarizing the facts. Mm -hmm. And the list of facts had nothing to do with one another. <laughs> right, right. It was Daniel Patrick Moynihan, senator from New York, who said, you know, you're entitled, everybody's entitled to their opinion. You're not entitled to your own facts. Right. Uh, and this is why I think the, um, uh, the, the political divide is so significant, is that we've begun to disagree on what the data is that we need to look at to make our decisions, yeah. uh, that's, that's disruptive. Yeah. And not only is it disruptive, it's corrosive. Uh, and so I think the, 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 the path looks fairly clear at this point. The House mm -hmm. votes articles of impeachment. Mm -hmm. The Senate does not vote to convict. Mm -hmm. And that's where we'll stand you know, at the end of February or so. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the damage hasn't been done. Right. Uh, and I worry that it's hard to have a conversation about major issues. You know, I mean, take, for example, infrastructure. We should have long since had an infrastructure bill that improved our productivity, that put those who have not been able to find work to work on things that are productive for the, for the economy. And we haven't because we can't agree to talk to one another. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's criminal. Right. And that, and not knowing what's going to happen, I mean, that, that real estate doesn't like Uncer that. Business Uncer doesn't, uncertainty. No, uncertainty. Yeah, it's un just. Un uncertainty. So, you know, uh, and we had kind of a mini recession in 2015 and 2016 because of uncertainty about what, what the election cycle was going to bring. Mm -hmm. And because of, if you remember the Republican debates, the, the rancor that was, that was in there before it even got to the general election. And, you know, I think in that uncertainty, people just pulled back. And I, I think 2020 is going to be like uh, like that in in some respects. Yeah. 
Well, final question for you, Hugh. Um, where are some opportunities then as you, as you look forward into 2020? You know, uh, you a baseball fan? <laughs> sure. You remember a guy named Wee Willie Keeler before either of us were born? I don't. So. <laughs> Wee Willie, it's no Hall of Fame. Okay. His motto was hit him where they ain't. <laughs> hit him where they ain't. And I think that that's, that's you know, the opportunities in real estate. Mm -hmm. You know, it is to look for, even in robust markets, uh, infill opportunities that have been, uh, been overlooked. Uh, I think uh, it is in a certain uh, category of suburbs that in emerging trends we call hipsterbias. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I don't know whether Mitch uh, Rochelle talked to you about that, but there are, you know, there are uh, some suburbs, like, like the uh, Alpharetta suburb mm -hmm. that I, uh, I was touring yesterday. You know, vibrant. Mm -hmm. It's vibrant. It's it's changing. I think that there there are opportunities in uh, uh, in uh, in that and adaptive reuse, adaptive reuse, you know, particularly of buildings that have great bones, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, lofts mm -hmm. that in uh, uh, close in urban areas that can be used for last mile delivery. I think that's an opportunity. I think even you know in smaller semi-rural communities that have some of these old mill buildings. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean Greenville, South Carolina, you know a prime uh, example of, of of a place that's taken that opportunity. And uh, you know cities that have discovered ways to reinvent themselves. And you know I know I said something bad about Nashville before, but Nashville's done something remarkable. Yeah. You know, I was I was there, and you know where all of the honky tonks are along Broadway. Well, I was there in the, in the in the '80s. That was totally derelict. Really, totally derelict. Yeah. As Brooklyn was totally derelict. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, so we can we can work with uh, with distress. Yeah. We can work with distress. So uh, you know that that's where I, I, I see opportunities. You know. Uh, uh, Again, I'll reveal my New York bias. Mm -hmm. uh, New York had a, a very, very corrupt political boss named Boss Tweed, right? Uh, and uh, he had a, he had a lieutenant uh, who uh, died and is buried in Brooklyn's uh, Greenwood Cemetery. And his epitaph is, "I seen my opportunities and I took them." <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll end it on that, Hugh. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. There you go. Great information. Uh, and thank you for joining us out there on video, on the podcast. Appreciate uh, you listening and watching to the show. Please connect with us on your social media, favorite social media. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies. Incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com.